And I think that the most practical and the most powerful thing to do is just love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when we just practice Christian love, that is the greatest sermon of all. You know, build relationships with those that are of a different color. And thank you so much for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. Hard to believe we are now uh, six months or halfway through the year 2020. It has been a very challenging very bizarre year. Our prayers are for you and your family out there that you are staying safe. Uh, my name is Jason Dennis, the host for you, a local TV news anchor. As we talk uh, on a on a weekly basis about fitness and about faith. And uh, the Fourth of July is coming up soon, just a few days from now when I'm recording this. And uh, I am so proud to be an American. Uh, I can't say that lightly. Um, I was born in Texas, lived in uh, really Georgia and Alabama, North Carolina most of my life. And I just really love this nation, um, the, the people in it, uh, what it stands for, our, our um, you know, uh, the, the Pledge of Allegiance, our military. It just means so much to be. And, uh, and really, um, I pray for our nation right now as, as we're in the midst of crisis with COVID-19 and racial unrest and protests. I pray that there will be healing that will happen. And speaking of USA, I am talking to um, a young man that I know real well, Pastor Jay Bailey, who um, just became a U.S. citizen a couple years ago. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, his journey to citizenship. Uh, he has a Jamaican accent because he's from Jamaica. Uh, my last guest, Coach Mark Immelman, uh, a broadcaster in golf. He's from South Africa, so uh, two in a row with accents. We also talked to Pastor Jay Bailey, who is my pastor, about uh, his love for America, how he went from Jamaica to Jesus with his call into the ministry, also CrossFit, cycling across Africa, his passion for Israel, race relations, and so many other uh, interesting issues in our conversation today. And another holiday that uh, may be uh, equally, if not more important, than the 4th of July for me is, uh, as I record this, uh, it's about to be the 20th wedding anniversary for my wife and I, Shanna. She is an amazing lady, putting up with me now for 20 years. And we actually uh, met at Elon College in North Carolina uh, 26 years ago. And I remember um, a song that I actually sang to her on one of our first dates, and it was our first um, uh, dance at our wedding, which was 20 years ago in Columbus, Georgia. I wanted to sing a little bit for you. Uh, maybe the, the first and last time I'll sing for you on the podcast, but this is a little James Taylor, so I hope you enjoy it. Where well, there's something in the way she moves, looks my way or calls my name. She seems to leave this troubled world behind. And if I'm feeling down and blue, or troubled by some foolish game, she always seems to make me change my mind. And I feel fine any time she's around me now. She's around me now. Oh, just about all the time and if I'm well, you can tell she's been with me now. She's been with me now quite a long, long time, and I feel fine. So happy anniversary to Shanna. 
Uh, she's heard me sing plenty in the past, but now I've gotten a little older. Maybe I, I've lost a little bit of that romantic side because we get busy with having two teenagers. So uh, happy anniversary, honey, and uh, thank you so much for all that you do as a wife and as a mom, uh, sacrificing so much. And I'm looking forward to another uh, 20, 40, 50 years uh, being married together uh, the rest of our lives. So thank you so much. Turning now to, again, our conversation with Pastor Jay Bailey. I'll give you a little background on him. Um, he's my brother-in-law, uh, full disclosure. He's also the lead pastor at Solid Rock Church in Midland and Columbus, which is just about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. Uh, he's been the lead pastor there for 17 years now. He's born in Kingston, Jamaica, came to America, and started attending the University of Georgia. So he says, go dogs." He was hoping to be a pro tennis player, but then was called into the ministry and uh, was a, first a youth pastor, uh, then a senior pastor in Macon, Georgia. He got his bachelor's degree in economics from UGA and then his master's of divinity degree from the Assemblies of God at Theological Seminary in Missouri in 1990. He has spoken all over the world, internationally, in uh, Canada, where he has lived, also India, East Europe, Greece, Albania, Africa, Latin America, uh, and most importantly for him, he is a husband and father of five and grandfather of one, a precious family for sure. Here's my conversation with Pastor Jay. And welcome to the podcast, Pastor Jay Bailey. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jason. What a great joy to be with you, my friend. Yes, and we, we you have been my brother-in-law for the past 20 years because uh, you uh, married the oldest of five. I married the youngest of five. From, so we married into the same family, right? Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> and I, I am immensely blessed, my friend, to call you my brother-in-law. <laughs> Me too. And you've been my pastor for the last uh, more than dozen years. So uh, I, I honor you for that and appreciate that, all you, that you do. Well, I'm very proud of you, Jason, and uh, your heart and your passion, and you're same in public as you are in private, yes. and uh, you are an inspiration to me, to our family, and to our community. Thank yeah. you. Well, same for you, and, and speaking of, of the uh, community and inspiration, you uh, before we get into kind of uh, getting to know you a little bit and, and telling your story and all that you've uh, kind of accomplished and been through, um, you have been a U.S. citizen now that we're, you know, 4th of July is coming up. You have been a citizen of America for more than two years now, voted for the first time uh, uh, November two years ago. And so tell me about that, your journey to citizenship, because I know you're, you're born in Jamaica and uh, lived in Canada, but now you are uh, proud to be an American, right? Proud to be an American. You know, interestingly, I'm Jamaican by birth, Canadian by parentage. And no American by choice, right? <laughs> so you're right, Jason. I've been uh, a U.S. citizen um, in 2018. I love it. it. It's really been a long journey. Uh, I came to America in 1981 to play tennis for the University of Georgia. That's what brought me to America. Um, once here, I never left. And so I've lived in America more than any other country. It just took me a long time. And really, even as I think about it now, I, I don't know why. Uh, but I finally made the decision and thrilled, 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 honored uh, to be an American. It is an, a, it's a proud moment for me, really, when I receive my American passport. And I'll tell you something. When I was able to, to carry that passport overseas 
and then returning to America and showing the customs and immigration official my my passport, I got very emotional. So thanks be to God. Yeah, and, and I know it is an emotional thing for you. Why are you so passionate about America? I mean, like, like you said, Jamaican by birth and lived in Canada for, for years. Um, what, what makes it for you so passionate about America not being you know, a native? You know, what, what's interesting is I, I just had a lunch with a, a man in our community just prior to coming to you. And I was just talking about growing up in Jamaica. I'll never forget, Jason, I was about 10 years old. Uh, my father, my mother, and our family, my two older brothers and my young sister. I remember us, our father taking us on a, on a boat, on our family boat, and we sailed out towards an American aircraft carrier. Um, that is an impressive thing, right, seeing that? And I remember us driving up to the aircraft carrier, and at the time I didn't know this, but uh, my father and our family was invited by the captain of the aircraft carrier. And so we docked and climbed up and uh, into that aircraft carrier, which is a massive thing, and it's impressive as it looms upon the surface of the water. And we had lunch with uh, the captain in his, his quarters, and we took a tour throughout the aircraft carrier. That left an incredible incredible impression upon me as a little boy as to the United States military, the strength, um, but also fascinated by America. My mom and dad would travel to, to America often throughout the year, and I remember them going to Miami and longed to go there. And finally got to do that as a, as a little boy. And Jason, I'll never forget the time we went into the hotel and got on the elevator. And I was so impressed with the elevator. We rode up, the elevator doors opened up, and right in front of me was a candy store. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> this was the greatest experience. And I'll never forget this. Um, on Saturday morning, laying at the, the bottom of my parents' bed, looking at cartoons in color on the television. I thought America was heaven and <laughs> loved it ever since. Loved it ever since. And I am so grateful to be an American, living in America. I married uh, an American lady and all of my kids were born in America. So it's a part of me and will always be a part of me. I have a deep love and passion for the United States of America. And you have five kids and we're definitely praying for all of them, but also uh, especially your, uh, your middle son, Seth, who is an officer in the army uh, stationed out West right now. So, I mean, what does that mean for you as, as somebody who's so proud uh, and, and you talk so much about the military to have a son that is now, you know, serving in uniform? It, it even talking about it now just gives me chills. Um, it, I'm grateful for his heart and his willingness um, to put his life on our line, on the line to defend the freedom of the United States of America and to defend this great nation. He's in Tacoma, um, stationed there, and he loves it. And I'm very, very proud of him, thankful for his sacrifice. Yes, me, me as well. Uh, well, I wanted to dive into the fast four, so it's kind of some rapid-fire questions to get to know you a little bit for those who don't know Pastor Jay Bailey. Uh, first of all, what is your job description, both at work and also at home? 
<laughs> well, at work, <laughs> uh, my my title is lead pastor. I'm the lead pastor. I've been there for 17 years. At Solid Rock Church in, in Midland, Columbus area. That's right. That's right, Jason. And my job description at, at home um, is to make my wife happy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that takes. Yes. And how long have you been married now? <laughs> We've been married 32 years. Wow. Congratulations. That's great. Um, next question. Um, what do you do? Uh, maybe on a daily or weekly basis, to stay physically fit? Well, you know, Jason, I, I, I'm involved in CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I'm a part of uh, the CrossFit box, uh, CrossFit Sacrifice, Mark Kane. I do that five days a week. I love it. I've been doing that now for about uh, three and a quarter years, and it has been very impa- impactful to my life. I also like to do long-distance cycling, yeah. riding. And we're going to talk about CrossFit and cycling in your Africa adventures in just a little bit. Um, next question, uh, do you have a, a particular spiritual motto or maybe a favorite verse? I know there's so many, but anything that maybe for you that you really live by every day? Yes, you know, um, there's a couple. Um, Psalm 78, 72, uh, it says, And David shepherded his people uh, with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. He led them. And that, that's one of them. The other one is uh, Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, where it says, And when David had fulfilled his purposes, uh, God's purposes in his generation, he fell asleep, uh, meaning he died. Those, those two would be my... Um, my core scriptural priorities. Now on a personal fitness level, First Corinthians chapter six and verse nineteen says that um, you know, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And my motto, Jason, is my body, his temple. That's good. I like it. I like it. Four words to live by. Um, and last of the fast four, what is something unique about you? <laughs> well. Um, Unique. I'll tell you, uh, several years ago when I did a sermon series, Jason, uh, entitled Faith, or, uh, Jump, or it, it was really dealing with faith in our lives, I, I skydived. I jumped out of a, a plane at 15,000 feet. You're a better man than me. It was crazy. <laughs> you survived. I survived. <laughs> I remember seeing the video of that. So you, that, that was an exciting adventure for sure. Um, so you, you've been the lead pastor at Solid Rock for, um, I believe, has it been uh, 15 or 20 years now? Um, just over 17 years. 17 I came years. here in June of 2003. Gotcha. And so right now, over the last few months, we've been living through this COVID-19 pandemic, and it's really affected pretty much every aspect of our lives, including our jobs and going to church. So um, I know Solid Rock went for 10 weeks with having just strictly online services, like a, a lot of churches did. And now you're, we're back to in-person in the sanctuary with separation and masks and whatever people want to do. So um, what's that been like as a pastor, you know, uh, preaching to an empty, congreg- empty sanctuary at times and now kind of trying to reopen back up again? You know, preaching to an empty sanctuary was was quite an adjustment. You know, for over 31 years as a pastor, communicator, you learn to sense your audience, right? You get the feedback from your audience. They energize you. It's that kind of interaction. <laughs> Jason, uh, when we went uh, strictly online, looking at and communicating directly to a camera with no one in the audience 
was a weird experience. <laughs> yeah. Really, it was. You just had to focus in your whole dynamic of communication changes. So instead of looking across and engaging in the eyes of your audience, you're staring at a, at a camera. And you know all about that, Jason. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a totally different ambience and dynamic in communicating. But about six weeks into that, I said to our our worship team, I said, isn't it something that after six weeks of speaking to an empty audience, um, it begins to feel more normal? I said, this is a crazy world we're living in. Yeah, you get kind of used to it and, and, and also maybe able to reach people you know, across the world that maybe would have normally been watching, right? That's absolutely correct. And the the astonishing thing, Jason, is that when we were strictly online and we were sheltering in place, our viewership um, increased significantly, not just in our uh, community, but across the state, across states within the United States and even the world. The farthest person we know of was we had viewers in New Zealand. Wow. That's the power of technology. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, because if this would have happened 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had the maybe the live stream capabilities that we have now. Um, and for you, the call to ministry, you talked about your journey from from Jamaica to the U.S., coming to UGA in the, in the early 1980s to play tennis. Um, well, speaking of that first, um, so, uh, you know, before your call to ministry, you came, were, were you, um, the, did you have the potential to be a pro tennis player? Was that kind of the, the goal for you to kind of go and come to America and then join the circuit? That's exactly right. That was my goal. That was my ambition and my pursuit. As an amateur, I did play some professional uh, tournaments, but um, my father really encouraged me instead of going on the pro circuit uh, to go get an education, a college education. The University of the Georg- Georgia at the time was a third best in the nation. And God really used my father to shape and guide my life because then upon coming to University of Georgia as a freshman, I came to know Christ as my Savior and Lord. Wow. It was radically transformative to me spiritually, and it shaped and changed the trajectory of my life. So instead of going uh, on the pro circuit, uh, I eventually received the call of God to go into the ministry. Wow. Was, what did, now, I heard there was an injury that was involved here, and then you were kind of watching the 700 Club. Tell me about I me. Mean, was it pretty severe, kind of career-ending injury? No, not really, Jason. In fact, I was still playing at the time. Um, I did injure my wrist, but my salvation came prior to that. So I was living off campus in, a, in an apartment, and after practice, I'd go home, fix my meals. I was um, sitting down, uh, eating dinner, flipping through the channels, and stopped at the 700 Club. And Ben Kinchlow was uh, giving a presentation. It was a telethon, funnily enough. And he quoted John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, you know, if you have any questions, call the number at the bottom of the screen. There will be a counselor there that will answer your questions and pray with you. And Jason, I called. I, to this day, other than it was a divine thing, I do not know why I called, but I asked two questions. I said, how do I get to know God? And he told me, you can get to know God through a personal relationship with his son, Jesus. And so after he explained that to me, I asked a second question. I said, how do I develop my faith in Jesus? 
Hmm. And he told me about the importance of the Word of God, hearing the Word of God preached, and the importance of getting involved in a church. And he asked me if they could have my permission to give my name and number to a local church there in Athens, Georgia. And I said, absolutely. They called me, reached out to me, invited me to church, and... Um, the rest is history. And you were, what, 18, 19 I, years old? I was 18 years old, Jason. Wow, that's amazing. And I really was stirred deeply uh, by my encounter with Christ. I sensed something at the church that I'd never experienced before, and that was the, the presence of God, the reality of the Holy Spirit. And I saw genuine Christian love at work in the church, and my heart and my hunger just exploded. Yeah. And so you've been, um, you know, you're a Pentecostal pastor. It's an Assemblies of God church. For those who maybe don't know, and and maybe they attend a a Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist church or non-denominational, but uh, how does Pentecostal or Assemblies of God differ? Because sometimes, you know, people might be surprised when they come to church for the first time at an AG church. Well, the Pentecostal churches believe that in addition to salvation— there is also the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that my Father has promised. You shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, as a Pentecostal, we believe that every single believer can experience the baptism of God's Spirit, God's power to live out this Christ-honoring life here on earth. Yeah, and then there's uh, the, the there's things that come out of that in terms of what healing and speaking in tongues that happens at times and those kind of things that are that are biblical as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely, Jason. And you know, just the emphasis that we can experience the presence of God, that God is near to us, that God reveals Himself to us. Everything about our relationship with Christ is amplified because of the reality and the inworking of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and you shared some of those. Uh, but the, the purpose of the baptism is to be a witness of Christ to the, to the earth, to the nations of the earth. Absolutely. And you were talking earlier about how one of your favorite verses talks about how our body is a temple and how fitness for you is, is, is a priority as well and, and keeping in shape. Um, because you're still a young man, uh, like myself. Thank you, Chase. <laughs> um, and you were talking about CrossFit. Um, I've I've done that a couple of times. I think I've done that on stage at church before. Yes, uh, you have. Jumping on some boxes. Um, it By is, the way, you did excellent too. I'm <laughs> proud of you. It is uh, CrossFit is not an easy thing. Whether you're 20 years old, 60 years old, whatever. Uh, so tell me about um, how you got involved with that. Is this something that? For you, is it now, um, has it become easier? Because I know it's, you can, you can uh, mess up your hands and your, and your body, all kinds of things. Jason, <laughs> CrossFit is never easy. Okay, there you go. And we're constantly paying the price, you know, because you're, you're, you're pushing yourself, you're challenging yourself. You know, you grab those bars, you jump up, uh, you rip up your hands, you know. But what I love about CrossFit, one is they're very thorough in, in warming you up. They take your time. 
to, to get you ready. And they work with you in terms of the development of technique, and technique is critical, right? Mm -hmm. It's the most important. And then they help you as you scale up. Um, but prior to CrossFit, Jason, as you know, I was cycling. What I noticed, and I love cycling, and it's a solo, you, you can, I was doing primarily solo rides. Um, but I noticed that in riding, you were primarily just strengthening in your lower body. Mm -hmm. And I could feel my upper body becoming weaker. And I wanted to do something that would be more holistic in the development of, of my body. And um, Seth, my son, encouraged me to check out CrossFit. He had, he had worked out there and said, you need to check it out. So I did. And um, once again, Jason, I went, I, I talked to the people there. I tried it because they have free Saturdays. Jason, I went that first Saturday. I've been there ever since. But that first Saturday, I thought I was in reasonable shape heading into CrossFit because I, I ride and I was riding uh, so intensely. And a college athlete, you know. Well, Jason, that first CrossFit experience, I couldn't even get through the, the first workout without feeling I was about to vomit. <laughs> it was intense and it was humbling. And one of the owners said to me at the, uh, at the time, he said, check your ego at the door. He said, because you're going to see women there uh, that are far more powerful than you. And Jason, that is even true to this very day. After three years being there, there are some women there that are absolutely incredibly strong. And I would never be able to achieve to their level of strength and fitness. Yeah. And I mean, what would you say to folks maybe intimidated by doing fitness like CrossFit, whether it be maybe, okay, I'm, I'm too old or I'm, I'm too, I'm, I'm not the right shape, those kind of things. I mean, it's, it can it be, those kind of things can be for anybody, right? Whatever, I mean, whatever level you want to go to. Oh, that's right. No matter what age, one has to be prepared um, to um, pace oneself. Mm -hmm. Everything is scalable there. So, you know, you start easy and you build up. And the, the coaches there are amazing to work with you, to teach you. And understanding technique is critical and they have been great and the community you know it's a band of brothers you know and and there are ladies there that all work out we all work out together but you really encourage one another and inspire one another what you know what gets measured gets done so we hold each other accountable yeah, i know you were talking about a passion for cycling um, you, I think at least twice I know of that you have cycled across Africa or a certain amount of miles or kilometers. Tell me about though, because you also raise money for a great cause in, in doing that as well, right? Well, in 2013, I met a pastor. Uh, he passed us in North Carolina and he had been doing um, hope rides uh, to raise money for reaching a generation in South Africa and they ministered to the kids there as well as Zambia. And as he was talking to me about this, I became inspired and I flippantly said, well, I shouldn't say that because I really was genuine. But I said, I'd love to do that. <laughs> you know, he said, let's do it. Um, so I went back and started researching bicycles and I bought a bicycle, Jason, and those road bikes are, are not cheap. No, thousands of dollars. Yeah, and so I start, I didn't even, Jason, I didn't even know about the gears, dear friend. I didn't <laughs> even know how to use the gears. And so I started um, riding, and when I started, I could barely get to 10 miles. 
gasping. My legs were burning. And we were in this whole pride that we were going to do in, in 2013. This pastor, along with other cyclists, set a goal of riding 600 miles in six days. Mm. Now, Jason, I'd never ridden. Okay, I didn't know anything about bicycle. I didn't anything about the gears or the gear. And so I jumped in on the deep end and started training for that. And um, six months later, went over them over there with them, rode 600 miles in six days. Wow! Congratulations. That, that's a hundred miles a day. Is 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 a tough one. It was brutal. <laughs> it it was the hardest physical challenge of my entire life. Hmm. And then the next year, 2014, we went back in different geography, different area of South Africa, but did a thousand miles in in ten days. Hmm. Wow, wow! And I, I'm sure it was an exciting adventure, the camaraderie, but also like you called the Hope Ride. You're raising money for for folks there in in uh, Africa or South Africa, right? That's right. Uh, reaching a generation, and, and Jason, you've met Jacques Van Bommel, mm-hmm. who is yep. the founder. He and his wife found founded uh, Reaching a Generation, and their goal is to impact the the children of the African continent. And over the years that they've been doing that, they've reached over 14 million. African kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping them and um, feeding them, equipping them and training them up to be young men and women for yeah. Jesus. Wow. That's, that's a, definitely an, an amazing cause there for sure. And, and as a world traveler yourself and as somebody who, who's, who's ridden for these causes, you know, um, what's the importance for Christians that are, that are listening to this or anybody really? What's the importance of missions and being kind of world globally minded and to be able to not just I, I care about, you know, the my neighborhood, but kind of going out to the outer parts? And uh, what's the importance of either giving or going to these places? I, I love that question, Jason, and thank you for your heart. It is at the very heart of Christianity, right? Um, Jesus established that mission when he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. It is at the heart of Christ. And Christ gave us that challenge and that commission uh, to take the good news, his love, his grace, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, his resurrection, um, and ascension to the right hand of God the Father. And he said, take it to the, to the entire world. This good news cannot be uh, for oneself. It's to be given away. And so at the very heart of Christianity is this compelling pursuit to share what Christ has done for me, what Christ has done for you, and let others know that they can experience the gift of salvation. So missions is not only giving, it is going, and it's a wonderful hybrid between that. We want to be generous in our giving, but we also want to go, whether it's right here in our own community or across to the, the continents of the seas. And it can give, you know, um, you know, if you're able to go, it can give you a, a perspective of how good we have it in America because we don't realize it maybe unless we get that, you know, wow, see what it's like maybe in a place like like Haiti. Well, you know, Jason, I'd like to let your audience know is that uh, I've watched you. You just don't talk about it. You do it. And you've done it every year for the last umpteen years that you take a week out of your life and sometimes 
more and you go and you are building and you are sharing and that you're pouring your life into um, sharing the good news. So I can testify to your audience that uh, this is not just talk for you. I have seen you live it out every single year for the last many years of your life. And I'm very thankful to you, dear friend, yeah. for who you are and what you do for the kingdom of God. Well, I appreciate that. Glory to God for that. And speaking of pouring, I, I've, I've the last several mission trips uh, that I've gone on with a group, we do hard labor and I uh, pour concrete. I'm the concrete guy now. So I've learned more about concrete than I've ever wanted to know. So, <laughs> Jason, why don't you share with, you, with your audience what the greatest challenge has been as you've gone on these trips? Well, I think that, you know, when you go on these trips, especially if you're doing like one of these trips where it's a work trip, not necessarily outreach. I've done a little bit of both, but the hard work trips, you know, that's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not a handyman. I don't know how to fix stuff or build stuff, uh, maybe like some other people do. But as long as you can follow instructions and work hard, you know, you're able to, because I think that, you know, as our leader on these trips typically says, is we can send money over there and they can hire workers to do the job probably for even less money than we would do it for. And they would work harder than us. But the fact that we're going over there as men and women, you know, of Christians from America, we're, we're showing them, you know, whether it be in Africa, Haiti, um, Jamaica, uh, Mexico, wherever, we're showing them that we care enough to kind of take time out of our lives and pay money to come over here. But we also... Um, you know, we come back as missionaries. We are now, you know, marketplace ministers. We come back and we can tell these stories to our families, our fellow church members, our coworkers, and influence them that, hey, listen, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? True. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, one of your other passions, I know, in terms of the world and something that you really, really care about, that's a priority for you, is Israel and the Jewish people. And um, a lot of times, you know, as Christians, you know, it's, it's sometimes there's a separation thing. There's Christians and there's Jewish people. But, um, you know, but it talks in the Bible so much about supporting the Jewish people. So tell me about uh, what, why you care so much about Israel and, um, and the Jewish people. Well, as a Christian, I think the, the essence of being a Christ follower is to love what God loves. And God loves Israel and he loves the Jewish people. And in fact, the scriptures tell us that God considers the Jewish people to be the apple of his eye. And that because God loves Israel, and because God has a forever covenant with the land of Israel and the people of Israel, um, my responsibility and my privilege is uh, to love Israel and the Jewish people. And Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 says that, you know, if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. So the, the simple foundation of everything is that because God loves Israel, I ought to love Israel. And I believe it's uh, the responsibility and the privilege of every Christian um, to defend the people of Israel and the land of Israel. And I know you've been to Israel several times. I had the honor of going with you and a group of pastors about a decade ago. Um, to be able to go to Israel, and maybe people that are listening, you know, that's a, um, a trip that they would love to go on, and hopefully they will someday. But to be able to walk where Jesus walked and to be able to kind of see what happened, you know, more than 2,000 years ago, what, what is that like? Um, because you can see it in, on TV or read about it, but to be there... 
you know, Jason, several years ago, several, many, many years ago, upon graduating from the University of Georgia, I treated myself to a trip to Israel. I wanted to go, I wanted to see the land, I wanted to learn, and, and knowing that I was going into the ministry, I thought that there would be a huge added value to doing that. And that trip was impactful. Um, but multiple years after that, I went with Christians United for Israel, and went with uh, Pastor John Hagee and his wife Diane and other pastors. That trip was deeply transformative to me because you were able to walk where Jesus walked. You could go to the varying sites that you would read about. And I did that as a 21-year-old. I don't think I was mature enough or ready to receive all of the impact. But when you go there and you can learn about the sites that you read in the Bible, you begin to meet the people, talk with the people, you understand the geography, you understand the existential threat that Israel faces every single day of their lives because of the neighborhood that they're in. It just converges upon your heart and it brands your soul. The people are beautiful. Every time I go, something new stirs in my heart and I learn something different. Um, but it profoundly impacts you spiritually. As you experienced yourself, Jason, you walked, you went, you met the people. Um, it, it just lays a mark upon your soul. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, with what's happening in the world today in terms of, you know, um, the people being ostracized or just kind of just chaos, um, there's chaos in Israel, it seems like, on a daily basis every year. Now we're seeing that with the pandemic and the protest and the racial unrest here in America. For you, as somebody, you know, uh, you know Solid Rock is an interracial congregation, very diverse. Um, which is not always the case with churches. Sometimes it's a, it's a mostly or all-white church or an all-black church. It's very segregated on Sundays. So for you, how important is it to bridge the gap, to have racial reconciliation, and to, I mean, how do you deal with that as a pastor? Because, you know, it's, we were, we're told to love all people, but there's, there's hate out there, and there's racism that is, we can't hide from. Well, just emphatically, God hates racism. Uh, to judge a man purely on the color of his skin um, is despicable, it's deplorable. God hates it and God considers it sin. Therefore, I can speak very clearly and very prophetically that racism in all forms is, is despicable and, and must be renounced on every level as consistently as we can. And, you know, all of us are created in the image of God, Jason. You know, skin color is, is, only skin, is only surface. It's the heart. And we're all made in the image of God. And we can look beyond the surface into the, the content of a man or a woman's character and love one another for who we are. And therefore, it's easy for me uh, to repudiate racism, yeah. to speak against it. It's, it's wrong on every level. And as we, you know, get um, just a few days away from 4th of July now, and you talked about, you know, your love for America, but it seems like we're, you know, we're um, America in some form is crumbling, you know, and, and the media portrays it one way and, and um, you, know, um, you know, there's two sides, there's Republicans and Democrats who have their say, there's protesters and where, you know, people wearing masks or not. So for you as a fairly new American citizen, do you sit back and are you just 
um, just horrified by kind of where we're headed, or are you hopeful still? Well, I am horrified by what I'm seeing and what we have been seeing. America is just lamentably becoming more and more polarized, and positions are being pushed to the extremes. And to be honest with you, if we were just to look at it uh, through a child's eyes, we have much more in common than that which we do not. But yet still, we emphasize the things in which we have differing positions. And when enmity and emotion and passions get mixed into it, it just becomes a very difficult situation. And America is a wounded nation, and we need the healing of God. So Jason, it does sadden me. It really saddens me. But I find myself very prayerful that God would be merciful to us. The answer to America is not in legislation. Even though legislation will play an important part, leaders and human beings will play an important part. The answer to America's malady is that we need to turn to God to ask God to forgive us and to restore us because I believe sin is a heart problem. And if we will cry out to the Lord, he said that he will hear our prayers. He will heal our land. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah. So to your, your question, am I hopeful? I'm hopeful. I have to be hopeful mm-hmm. because you see in God, there's always hope. And The Lord is a merciful God. He's a loving God. And the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So if I'm looking to our political leaders to bring hope, I won't find it. (laughs) But when I look to God, Jason, there's always hope. And I believe that as we are unhinging, America is being positioned for a great move of the Spirit. Jason, I know that you recall that one of my first messages after um, the president declared a national emergency, we went into shutdown with this uh, pandemic. I preached a message entitled, God's Global Reset. And I basically said that what this world is going through is this world is being um, reset Mm -hmm. for a great awakening for God. For when we look to God for answers and directions, we will see God answer and restore and pour out his spirit upon us. Yeah. And, you know, we're all looking for like, okay, how can I help? What can I do? Because there's such divide, especially in a... A, a political and election year like this. So one last question on this. What would you say to Christians when, when, when they say, Pastor, what can I do? How can I help? What, what, what can I do? Because, you know, maybe I'm not going to go protest or I'm not going to do this, but how can I help bridge the divide and kind of he- help heal America? You know, I love that question. And I think that the most practical and the most powerful thing to do is just love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when we just practice Christian love, that is the greatest sermon of all. You know, build relationships with those that are of a different color. Live it out. Honor people. If we will do what Christ tells us to do, we can make an impact on our local level. And can you imagine, Jason, if every Christian in America became very intentional in loving your neighbor irrespective of skin color? 
it would change the culture and the dynamic of what's going on in America. It's the power of love, right? Yeah. It's the greatest ethic of all. And in fact, Jason, this very Sunday, I'm going to talk about that in our church. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And kind of on a lighter note, you were talking about the global reset. One of the things that have been kind of canceled or postponed for a while is sports. I know you're a big sports fan. Uh, all kinds of sports, love to watch football and tennis and hockey, all kinds of things. So um, are you happy to see things finally starting trickle, trickling back? You know, baseball, maybe hopefully what you're thinking, UGA will have a football season, hopefully. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. <laughs> and you know, the beautiful thing is that sports is is a is a wonderful uh, bonder. It mm-hmm. brings us together, sure, right? Sure. And I think it is, and we need some levity. We need an outlet in America. You know, these last few months have been so difficult. So I am excited about it. I'm looking forward to NHL playoffs. You know, that uh, season was was stopped, and they're talking about getting that back. I love the Toronto Maple Leafs, as you know. And, um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hockey. I'm looking forward to Georgia getting back onto the gridiron, uh, beating Auburn. Oh, <laughs> War Eagle, I'm not sure about that. Because I know you, and speaking of hockey, you used to be the chaplain for the Columbus Cottonmouths, a local team here. Now they're the Columbus River Dragons. So we're hopeful that the local and the national teams will will get back on the ice, get back on the field uh, very soon. Yes. For sure. I'm with you. And we need it. America needs that respite. Yes. Well, thank you, Pastor Jay Bailey, uh, for joining us. And, and uh, what I usually do to close the podcast, and I want to pass the baton off to you two, to, uh, to close out in prayer, if you can do that for us. I would be honored to do that. And uh, Jason, would you allow me to bless your audience? Sure. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May he bless you in your coming in and in your going out. May he bless you in your rising up and in your lying down. And every place upon which your feet shall tread, may you know the favor and the blessings of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Jay. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Definitely proud to call him a member of the family and my pastor for the past 13 years at Solid Rock, a great church, a life-giving church. Um, and uh, Pastor Jay, sometimes I'll do an impression of him, and I can do this because I'm his brother-in-law. He says, oh, family, I love you, brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you, family. So he has a great Jamaican accent, and um, so he, he, he does a fantastic job, and he, he stays very fit for his age, still a young man. Turning now to our final segments of this Run the Race podcast, which you can find on uh, Apple and Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and make sure to, uh, to su- subscribe to the Run the Race podcast to hear these great conversations you're hearing. And also on the Apple app, if you can go down to the bottom of the page and write a quick review, that would help out tremendously to keep this thing going. But again, uh, our segment now we turn to is Food for Thought. And we're going to start in the fitness realm, something controversial that uh, Pastor Jay talked about. Uh, is CrossFit. Uh, it's a company based on a fitness regimen developed by Greg Glassman and is incorporated into gyms all across the world. Uh, these gyms are run on an affiliate model, paying the main CrossFit company for permi- permission to use the name 
and the regimen. Well, there's been some controversy now that's prompted companies like Reebok to issue statements uh, confirming that they have ended their affiliate with CrossFit. So here's what happened. In a response to a public health body saying that uh, racism is a public health issue, Glassman, again, the founder of CrossFit, tweeted, quote, Floyd 19. Now, that tweet, making light of George Floyd's death, in a way, some would say, uh, has caused some brands worldwide to cut ties with CrossFit. Um, that includes, um, with some a Jamaican tie here, that includes Jer Lyons, the operator of Jamaican fitness company 876 CrossFit. They discontinued their affiliation, like many maybe have, with parent company CrossFit after that tweet from the company's CEO. Also, uh, when an operator, another operator of one of the CrossFit affiliates asked Glassman to respond to these protests around the killing of Floyd, this is what he said, according to them. Quote, I sincerely believe the quarantine has adversely impacted your mental health, um, calling that woman delusional, and you think you're more virtuous than we are. It's disgusting. So uh, that was, again, uh, a reported quote from Greg Glassman, the uh, founder of CrossFit. It's unfortunate um, in this world today, um, anything you say gets scrutinized. But obviously, you know, you want to make sure that you are um, you have unity. Your words can really hurt people for sure. And on the uh, faith side of things, a, uh, a new documentary, a film by uh, in part by Take the City, which is a group I'm a part of, and uh, this is a documentary uh, put together by Andrew Chalmers, who uh, is someone I had on the podcast uh, several months ago talking about his recovery from being a heroin addict um, years and years ago. Uh, this is an article from the Christian Post. It says, We Hear You film captures how God is using the church to bring healing in America. So that new documentary film is called We Hear You, and it shows how God is using Christians to bring hope and healing in the midst of all the chaos and everything happening with the police-involved death of George Floyd. So Chalmers, who I just mentioned earlier, he's the director of this We Hear You film. He decided you know, he wanted to pray for direction, and maybe what could he do in the midst of all of this? So his prayer led him on, took a one-way flight. He went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, the scene where Floyd died. So as the founder and director of Take the City, he went to meet his friend J.T. Thomas in Ferguson, Missouri. That was his first stop. And the two men filmed uh, all kinds of conversations with faith leaders, taking to the streets, um, amidst all the protests, preaching the gospel. And uh, Chalmers said, according to the article, quote, my heart was grieved. I didn't really know how to respond or what to do, but I wanted to respond in a biblical way that honored the Lord. So Chalmers is white and his friend uh, Thomas is black. And they took time to listen and learn and show empathy uh, to each other and to, to other people on the streets. Uh, he said, quote, we do need to be vocal as the church and speak out against racism and injustice. But the first thing we need to do before we speak is to listen. So and, and have humility. You know, that film documents Chalmers' experience over the course of five days an inside look at the grief and, and how the church can respond. We're all asking, what can we do? So We Hear You premiered on Facebook Live. It's now available streaming on YouTube. You can just, uh, uh, the best way to go is to find, uh, go to Take the City or We Hear You. Search those on Facebook or anywhere else on YouTube. And you'll be able to find that mini documentary uh, that you will not want to miss. And uh, our final segment of this podcast, is, of course, is the uh, the parting gift. And uh, we, we had a Jamaican guest, uh, or at least a Jamaican native, and so we have Usain Bolt with the, uh, the quote of the day, Olympic gold medalist, maybe the fastest man ever. This is uh, his quote, dreams are free, goals have a cost, time 
effort, sacrifice, and sweat. How will you pay for your goals? That's a challenge from Usain Bolt. He says it well that you have to you have to work hard. It's not just a matter of talent or skill or you're just born with it uh, because uh, you know hard work can trump talent uh, many times. And you can have big dreams, but you got to be willing to work hard at those, uh, put in the time, put in the sacrifice, and, and especially if it's an athletic field, put in the sweat. Again, thank you so much for choosing the Run the Race podcast, and uh, we hope you and your family are safe on this 4th of July weekend and beyond as we continue praying for our nation as we grow to be uh, better uh, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Have a great week. 